welcome to the podcast. Pilates for PTs, from business to clinical. Hi, y'all. My name is Stephen Dunn. I co-own Core Therapy and Pilates in Austin, Texas, and I'm the founder of Pilates for PTs. I've been a physical therapist for over 20 years, and I've been teaching Pilates and Gyrotonic in my physical therapy practice for the last 15 years. In this podcast, I interview experts from all over the world so that you can learn more on how to grow your business or how to improve your clinical skills as a Pilates instructor in the physical therapy world. Thanks for listening. All right. All right. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, guys. My name is Stephen Dunn. Uh, I'm a physical therapist and I am the co-owner of Core Therapy and Pilates, and I'm the founder of Pilates for PTs. And today we have a very special guest on our uh, podcast, our live podcast, and that is Mr. David Bailiff. Mm -hmm. And many of you know him as Captain, and uh, I have a few nicknames for him, but I'm going to leave them out for now, except Liberace, because I really like to call him Liberace. But before we get started, I do want to read one thing. We have a sponsor of our podcast today, and today's spon- uh, podcast is sponsored by InVibe Life. InVibe Life is your go-to wellness resource for a healthy mind, body, and spirit. It's my first stop for all my wellness articles and podcasts. Check them out at inviblife.com. That's E-N-V-I-B-E-L-I-F-E.com. Get in vibe, be in vibe, live in vibe. All right. So that's our sponsor. Yay. I got that out of the way. Now, with that said, um, I want to bring on David Bailiff. David's my buddy, and uh, we've known each other for some time now. So, David, welcome to the program, man. How are you? I tell you what, Chili Sauce, it is so good to be here today, man. I am I am honored that you asked me to be on your show. I know I catch your show uh, quite often when I can. Sometimes I'm riding around, and so I'll pop it on and watch you while I'm driving around. But I love your show, and it's truly an honor to be here with you today. It's always good to see you, my friend. Yeah, yeah, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here as well. And let me ask you a real question. I love to ask this first – or let me ask you the first question. Excuse me. The first question I love to ask is, you know – how did you get into become a physical therapist? What led you down that road? Because we all have some kind of story, some kind of journey that like sparked the path. So what led you to become a physical therapist, my man? Yeah, you know, what, what's funny is for so many people who become therapists, they, they became a therapist because they were a high school athlete. They got injured. They had to go to therapy and they fell in love with their physical therapist and thought, man, I got to do this. But for me, it was it, it was. I fell in love with physical therapy after going to physical therapy, not for myself, but working in the in the profession. And the way that I ended up there is that I grew up playing tennis. I, I mean, I did all kinds of sports, but tennis was my, my focus. And, you know, my parents knew that I enjoyed being active. They knew that I enjoyed trying to be healthy. And so in high school, they had said, you know, you should go into something like sports medicine or something like that. And then I got to college and I was an exercise science major, but the major was was kind of pushing you towards going into corporate wellness, corporate fitness. And this was back in, in, in the 80s when I had you know dark hair and you probably had hair, Steve. But um <laughs> uh, you know I, I I had a taste of what a, a slight taste of what corporate wellness was like. I was like this is this is not me. This is not what I want to be doing. Um, and so my, my junior year of, of college, 
I was on the phone with my parents and they said, you know, when you come home for the summer, why don't you call up Ed Stewart and go see if you could volunteer at his PT clinic? There was a guy in town, uh, Ed Stewart. He had the only outpatient physical therapy clinic in the entire county. And now, now this was, he started in the 70s. So 70s and 80s, when insurance didn't give you any restrictions and you could see people forever and they paid 100%, the man was making more money than the orthopedic surgeons in town. But we knew him. Uh, and I knew him because I played tennis with his son. So I called him up and said, hey, you know, uh, could I come volunteer at your clinic for the summer? And he said, free labor? Sure, come on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went and showed up, and I didn't really know what – I mean, I had never been in a PT clinic before, ever. I didn't know what to expect. And I got in there, and I just – you know, I saw these therapists – I saw these patients in the clinic coming in, hurting, wheelchairs, you know, couldn't move the arm, whatever – and these therapists working with them and just doing what they could to, to make them laugh, make them smile, brighten their day a little bit. And, and this seeing people like come in hurt and walk out like feeling better. I thought, wow, this is really cool. And I, I, I can still remember this very vividly. It was my second day there. And I was leaving at the end of the day and I got into my my blue Honda Accord. That was like 1978. It had the Honda Matic. So, so even though it was a, a regular drive or whatever, you had to shift from like first to second, but no clutch or anything. And only like once you got to five miles an hour, you just kind of shifted it up to second. But I, I got in my car, backed out of my parking spot, and I started to leave and I stopped and I looked up at the building and I said out loud and I pointed and I said, that is what I want to do in life right there. It was just the, the of, of seeing how these therapists, how they, they seem to love their job. Um, they made people smile. They enjoyed being at work. They, they laughed. They told jokes. They got their these people who weren't feeling well. They got them to chuckle and got them back to, you know, their, their lives. They brought the playground back into their lives. And I said, that is what I want to do. So that's from that moment on. My focus was, what do I need to do to get into physical therapy school? And that's where I am today. I love it. I love it. And so we had kind of a similar situation. I never had PT where most of the people in my class had 40 people in my, my PT class. Pretty much everyone had PT, and that's what led them to want to become a PT, like you mentioned. Right. And um, for me, it was the opposite. I, I just kind of stumbled upon it and – same thing. Once I was experienced, once I experienced this kind of community of like people coming in the door and the guy I worked for was this big old offensive lineman from college, big old boy, uh, made me look small. And he's like, <laughs> people walked in the door. He's like, Hey, what's going on, Johnny? How you doing? How's your mom? I know. And, you know, and he was talking to everybody like this, like super personal relationship with everybody. And he was just a good old boy from, from New Orleans. And it was so awesome. And then the woman who was his partner, she was kind of a little more calm and collect or kind of like more like less loud and boisterous. But the two of them, the energy between the two of them was really awesome. <clears throat> and they were both just great people in the community. And I met the, the woman actually through my job as an umpire. And when I started volunteering again, I, I volunteered for a couple of days and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And it was really about that culture in there. It was that community. And, um, and this was before all the Medicare. Ch uh, whoa! Let me make sure that's not a snake. 
I don't do mistakes on the show now. Come on. <laughs> it was about this. It was about this. Clo- oh, where's the camera? It's about this close to my foot, and it was a lizard, which <clears throat> I needed to make sure and watch it move before I figured out what it was. Excuse me. Oh, I'm just so, glad he didn't squeal. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> it got my attention. I was like, oh. But, but anyway, but once I started volunteering, I knew real fast. And then I started working. I got, I made like five bucks an hour as an aide technician. And, and I was a part of that team, right? That, that team of bringing people in and, you know, everybody was friendly and everybody loved it. It was before the changes that have occurred. Yeah. They were making good money. This was definitely, you know, they, they made money. It was definitely a change. So yep, yep. I, I know I love that. Now, once you, got- you know what, if, if I may add this, yeah. uh, Stephen, so that, that's some. Like it had such a profound impact on me that I knew that, you know, it, it touched me inside. And I knew this is what, when I said that is what I'm going to be in life, I knew that that is what I was going to be in life. And my road to PT school was not easy. All right. I, I mean, I, I applied for three years. And the third year, I was like number 197 on the wait list. And I ended up becoming, you know, number 34 out of 35. You know, they finally got to me on the wait list. So my, my journey into school was not easy. And, and every year when I would get those letters back, you know, saying, you know, thank you for your financial contribution to our fine institution. We wish you the best in life. My dad would say, well, what are you going to do now? And every time I'd say, Dad, I'm going to physical therapy school. So it, that that first experience really just told me, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And I'm going to get there. I don't. It's going to take a while. I'm going to have to work hard, overcome some odds, but it's what I'm supposed to do. Isn't that how life is? You know, overcome yeah. some odds, work hard. You know, if we all gave up on the first failure, I mean, where where Michael would Jordan be? wouldn't have been Michael Jordan if he gave up on the first failure. Exactly, exactly. Now, let me ask you this question because I know most of my PT colleagues, the first say 15 years of my uh, PT career were basically like business owners, clinic owners, worked at clinics, um, but they were not in, they were business owners, but they weren't thinking like business owners. Um, and for the last six, seven years, I've been running in circles because I stopped taking insurance in my business and I started uh, taking cash only. I had to learn to market. Mm-hmm. I had to learn to do, run a business in a different capacity than when I did as an insurance based PT. And then I started meeting people like you. That's how we met. We 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 wouldn't we didn't meet in our past circle where we were working for other people and and doing that that world. And, but we've met on this world of being entrepreneurs, being business owners, writing books, uh, building Facebook groups, doing all this great stuff. So I want to talk to you a little bit about like when did you transition? How did you transition out of that corporate job into like I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm going to write books. I'm going to coach others on how to do this. Tell me a little bit about that transition because, you know, this is a time where people were getting real burned out in our field and and who knows what's going to look like on post COVID. Right. Um, right. With that said, take us on that journey a little bit, my man. You know, that, that, that's a great question there, Steve. And I'm glad you asked it. And the reason why I'm glad you asked that question is that my journey from corporate world to, to where I am now, who I am now is really representative of as long as you allow yourself to be open to ideas and possibilities, 
um, you know, and, and have a, a growth mindset, an open mindset, operate in, in a blue ocean, your path, your path is going to evolve through time. My, my, my path has evolved over the last three years, but I spent my first 19 years in corporate world working outpatient clinics and in the last, I'd say probably year and a half at least, um, you know, I started, I started getting the dreaded burnout. You know, I still loved physical therapy, but I, I just, I didn't, I didn't love the grind. I loved working with people. I was burnt out of everything else associated with it and singing the gobs of people a day and not leaving the, the, the clinic till sometimes eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, just depending on, on the night. Um, and so I just thought, you know what? I, at the time I was 45. I was like, I do not want to be a 50 year old staff clinician because you just don't see 50 year old staff clinicians. They're either, they're either no longer in therapy or they're the clinic director or the owner. And I knew the company I was with at the time, I knew it wasn't going to be a clinic director. Uh, we never had that conversation, but it was, I think it was understood. Yeah. Because again, I had an idea of how I wanted to provide care for people. The company had their ideas, i.e., hey, you know, how many units can you squeeze out of these people and how long can you keep them here? And when I started having to justify why I was discharging people or justify why someone wasn't there three times a week, um, being told that if I just if I give this person just three more exercises a week, this is how it could impact my bonus. I know it's like, look, this, I'm not going to be a director for this company because that's not who I am. Yeah. Um, and, and so I probably spent almost a year wondering what's going to be my next move because I don't want to open a clinic because, again, at the time, the only thing you knew was you open a clinic, you take insurance. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm just going to jump right back in the fire and I want to work even more hours because it's going to be me starting out. And then I had a, a concierge physician reach out to me and say, Hey, I got this guy. He wants to be seen at home because he wants everybody to see him at his house. Will you go treat him at home? Do you have the time? I said, well, I got I got a couple mornings a week that I'm not at the clinic. Yeah. I could make that work and not really knowing what to expect. So I went and I saw this gentleman at his home and I thought, wow, I'm going to be with him for an hour. Like, what am I going to do for an, for an hour? Like, the, the, like I'm going to have to make up stuff because I was so used to having, like, if I was, if I was with someone for 20 minutes in the clinic, then I was two to three clients behind. So I wasn't used to being with someone for an hour. So I'm like, man, this is going to be, this is going to be a long hour. Well, I got in there. It was relaxed, talking. I'm working with the guy. Look at my watch. Like, holy crap, that's been, that's been 57 minutes. Like, wow. And, and I got in my car and I said, I just figured out what I need to do. I said, obviously there are people who want services to come to them, who want it to be all about them. And that's how I, I transitioned from corporate to starting my mobile practice. And I also realized that, you know what, there are people who are willing to pay for top-notch quality service and have it be about them. And again, yeah. at the time, like I, I knew one guy, I had a friend, have a friend who started a clinic and it was cash-based. And I always thought like, how is he doing that? Like, people are paying for therapy like really and then when i was exposed to it i went huh yeah people are paying and, and that's how i transitioned in, into mobile and i've had my mobile practice now for going on eight years um but 
uh, you know, Stephen, and I know you're probably going to ask this question in a minute, but uh, 2018, February 2018, I started a Facebook group, the Mobile PT League, and I started it because there were some other other uh, therapy groups out there, and I thought, hey, you know what, that'd be cool to start a Facebook group for, uh, you know, for mobile therapists, not knowing where it would go. Well, it's gone pretty daggone big. But once I started that, and the reason why I'm sharing this isn't to promote my Facebook group, but it's to to answer your question of the journey and how it can evolve. So I went from corporate to mobile therapist to because of a Facebook group. Now I started getting people reaching out to me asking for help. Hey, how do I do this? Can I pick your brain? And these are, which PTs, evolved, right? these are no longer now um, uh, transitioning away a lot away about 90% away from my mobile practice and involved in a coaching program, helping other therapists to start their practice, whether it's mobile or brick and mortar, help them to become an uncaged clinician. But what I'm, what I, the reason why I share all that is, is not to shamelessly promote myself or my business, but it's to let people know that, you know, be open to the fact that through life, your, your path and what you're meant to do may change. And that's okay. That's okay. Um, follow, follow your heart and, and, and do, because what you meant we're meant to do today may change five years from now. 100%. Yeah. I love that. And so basically the, the first mobile patient was you responding to what the community wanted and needed. It yeah. wasn't like you saying, hey, I'm going to do this. You right. don't have this idea. You just responded to like, wow, this concierge doc called me. He wants this service for his client. Whoa, what the hell am I going to do in that time? Whoa, this was actually pretty cool. That went by like that. And then let me see if I can continue to do this on a, on a different level. Um, so again, you, you, you basically listened to what people wanted instead of just coming up with your own idea because your own idea would have been opening a clinic and doing a brick and mortar with a big overhead. Exactly. Which would have been the norm because that's what you knew. That's what corporate that's what America meant. taught you. Right. Yeah. And you know, and, and I, I, I guess the take home point in that Stephen is this is, in the establishment, and I call it the establishment. In the establishment, we do things because that's what we're told to do. That's because that's because that's what you did, and that's what that person did, and that's what the people for the previous forty years. That's what they did. So that's therefore that's what you're supposed to do, and this is how you're supposed to market, and this is how you're supposed to go about things. But what you said there is so key. What I figured out was I figured out what the people wanted, and I started selling what the people wanted. So that's a little 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 tip there for people when they're starting out or when they're trying to sell is figure out what, what your audience wants and sell that. You, you, you may think you know what they want or you may know what is best for them, but sell what they want. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great point. And that's something I've learned along, <clears throat> along the way as well with some of my online courses, my original courses were designed to teach people about the business and the marketing side of things. But what I realized is that people just wanted to get certified in Pilates. That was they, they weren't that interested in the business or marketing side until they actually knew had the skill to do it. And so then I shifted and, and changed and have, have made offerings towards getting people trained on mat work, on reformer work. And now with virtual, the world is now virtual uh, post-COVID, during COVID, all that. Um, it's, it's opened some new doors. So again, I've listened to what my people have been asking for when I built my original platform or my original courses. But then at the same time, 
they really wanted something a little bit different. And I adjusted to that and, and modified and, and made some changes according to that. So listening to your, to your audience is super important. Now, what was, um, what was this, this, uh, the transition to like, okay, I've built my mobile practice and now I've built this mobile group, this Facebook group, which we're going to get more into in a second. But what was that? What, what led you to then say, I want to start coaching? Was it just people asking for help or was it, what was there something more specific? Yeah, it, honestly, it was the fact that people were asking for help, and I was getting I was getting you know requests for phone calls. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd get sometimes as many as five or six requests for phone calls a week, and you know, I, I've always I've always enjoyed teaching, coaching. I've always enjoyed coaching. It goes back to to when I was in high school and playing tennis. Yeah. And I was, you know, one of the better. I was one of the better players in town, uh, and for my age group, I was, you know, was one of the better players in the entire state. And I would have people reach out to me and say, "Hey, dude, like, I want to be good like you. Will you help me get there? Will you help me to improve?" And so I'd go out with people, and I would, you know, I would coach them. You know, I'd put them through drills and stuff. And I found that I got I got more pleasure out of coaching someone else to get good than I did actually competing, even though I loved playing, I loved competing, but I realized like, man, like helping someone else improve themselves. Like it just, I loved it. And even now, if I, if I go on a tennis court with someone and they're like, Hey, can you give me some tips? I have to tell them like, look, be careful what you ask for because I'll go into coaching mode and you may or may not like it. But the same thing with, with what I was finding uh, with therapy is that, people reaching out to me, asking for help, asking for advice. And when I'd see on my schedule, like, okay, I've got, I've got a client, a client, a client, I have a, I have a call. I started being more excited about those calls, being excited about the fact that I was going to be able to help someone else to be able to help them with, with really change their life. But I also looked at it as, you know what, I'm, I can actually help more patients by helping more therapists yep. to, to regain the passion that they're, that they're, that they're losing so that more patients out there are getting a therapist who loves what they do and they can actually get better care. And I started looking at it that way. Like, how can I impact more patients? Huh. Why not impact the providers to where they, they love their jobs now? But again, it's the fact that, that when I started getting just a lot of requests for calls every single week, that, that led me into, into the coaching. And, and, and I knew at one point I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have to like charge for this. Cause I'm starting to give away a, a lot of my time, which I didn't mind, but, and it may, you know, some people might say that oh, it's kind of selfish or whatever, but you know, money, money's not an evil thing and yeah. money allows, you know, every good thing that's happened in the world has happened because of money. Money allows you to do great things. For sure. And, uh, you know, when you do what, what you what you love to do, when you do what, what serves you and you're and you are actually serving people, oftentimes the end result is that you, you make a couple dollars. So that's that's how I ended up into the coaching. I love it. I love it. So now let's go back a little bit because I feel like the coaching has been a result of the Facebook group, right? Yeah. Or a, a big, you know, that's been contributing, that's contributed to that. Let's talk about the yeah. Facebook group because that's really kind of, the thing that um, there's a lot, you know, like I'm probably a member of, huh, I don't know how many Facebook groups, maybe a hundred or so, yeah. many, many, many. And I'm, I'm fairly, I watch some fairly closely and some I don't pay much attention to, or I don't really see much at all. 
Um, so let's talk a little bit about when you started building your group. It sounds like it's been a couple of years now, right? Is that what you said? It was in 2018? Yeah, yeah. Fe- February 2018. Yeah, got started. So we're going on three years here in about two months, three months, because um, we're now live in November of, um, of 2020. So with that said, t- just kind of go through a little bit about what you learned with building that group. What's your experience with building that group and how you went about it? Yeah. Oh, how how did I build? Well, honestly, again, the the idea behind even starting it was I I joined uh, another you know well known person in the country joined his his Facebook group uh, for cash physical therapists and I started realizing like well you know there's a group here for cash PTs and I'm cash but what if I what if I niche down and say hey if you're mobile let's let's have a community of people because as a mobile therapist you're not in the clinic you don't have colleagues to bounce ideas off of you're you're kind of on an island so i thought you know what maybe we need a community where we feel like that we can share common experiences and and that's how i meant for the group to start as is just a place where we could commune share experiences whatnot and and so i started it and what i did first is just everybody who who i knew like you and some other people i just I said, hey, you want to join my group? And on my personal page, I just made a made a post of like, hey, I've started this Facebook group. And so the people that, who were connected with me on my personal page who were therapists said, hey, I want in, I want in. And it, so it, it started to gain some traction that way. And that is how I started getting really calls for you know consulting, if you will, um, because that's how that's how other people started to find out about what I do. So, hey, you're doing this. Can, can I learn from you? Oh, before that, I mean, people didn't know who I was. So starting the group, starting the group gave me a name, so to speak. If, I know that probably sounds terrible, but it yeah, is the no, truth. No, no. All right. But aside from just advertising, like on my personal page, hey, I have a Facebook group. And then what I do is like when it hit 100 members, I would celebrate that. Like, hey, wow, I just started this group. It's hit 100 members. Wow, it's hit 250. Wow, it's hit 500. And, and then I did run for, I don't know, several months, actually ran some Facebook ads or had someone run Facebook ads for me. And that helped to get people into the group. And, and there you were like targeting physical therapists, business owners, yeah, or people, that were, yep. you know, people yep. that were working. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Physical therapists. And we, we see old Ray Bardinell is on. Hello, Ray. It's always good to see you, brother. Thank What's you. Ray, Ray. Yeah, man. Um, and then, you know what? Other, other groups, uh, that I were that I was members of or a member of, um, I wouldn't. I, I, and here's the thing: when you're in someone else's group, man, you, you cannot go in there and, and say, "Hey, I'm starting a group." All right, this is a little tip for people: you cannot do that. That's that's not kosher. I'm just going to just be frank: it's not kosher. But what I do is I'd go in there and I would and I would just post pictures of uh, like maybe my my client's patio because a lot of my clients are. A lot of my clients have some money and have some very nice homes, live on golf courses. Uh, and I'd, I'd take a picture, like this beautiful picture, like, hey, you know, what? this ain't too bad of an office view that I have today. You know, I love I love being a, a, a mobile therapist. Or I'd take a picture of like me going into Costco at like one in the afternoon, you know, like, oh, this is what I love about being mobile. Man, I can I can, I can go shop at Costco in the middle of the day. And I would just I would just share that. And that would get other people going. Hey, wait, what's what's this that you're talking about? And they would reach out to me. What's this mobile? Talk to me about this. And so that just started kind of gaining a little bit of traction. And then now, quite honestly, uh, I don't have I don't have ads 
for the group at all. Um, but you know, I do, I do have a podcast now that I co-host with Josh Payne. Uh, that gets, that gets advertised, that gets people interested in the group. Um, but I think so many of them, so many people are in the group because, uh, mobile is becoming a bit, a big thing. I, I like to think maybe, maybe I had something to do with it or the group had something to do with it. People are finding out about mobile. They're finding out about the group that now, I mean, every single week I'm, 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 you know, I'm getting anywhere from anywhere from 20 to 50 requests almost every week to, to join the group. And it's, so it's become really kind of more organic. And yeah. so people are start people who are in the group are starting to tell their colleagues, Hey, you need to check out this group. So. Got it. And I see you're up to over 4,000 people. I went and checked it out this morning. So that's, that's awesome. That's good, man. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's awesome. You know, over a thousand people a year that you're getting into the group, right? So, yeah, you know, yeah. that's 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 very good, very good numbers as far as you know consistency. Now, how much do you go to the group now and, and post in the group or answer questions in the group? Is that something you do a couple times a week? Is that something that you do on a daily basis? Um, versus, I know you have a lot of your time now goes to actually coaching, so you right. have to have time for that versus the time in this group. So tell me a little bit about how you manage that and that the difference there. Yeah. Um, the, the key is to, to, to have a successful group and for it to become what you want it to become. Uh, you, you've got to be present. You've got to be present and you've got to be consistent. And I'll be the first to admit, I, I mean, I have people tell me that, Oh, you know, you give so much to the group. You're, you're always present. You, you're everywhere. And, and me personally, I feel like that I could be doing a heck of a lot more than what I currently do. But we're, we're, we're always our own you know, worst critics. Sure. Um, but my, my attempt is to go live at least twice a week. Sometimes I make it once, um, but my attempt is to go live twice a week. And then when I get notifications of people posting, I'll go and I'll see, you know, what's their question. And I, I really make it a point. I don't, I don't answer everybody's question, but I make it a point to comment on as many posts as I can. And that's another way that I, you know, allow myself to be seen is people see that I'm, I'm interacting. And sometimes when the person has a question, I might even, I might even uh, provide a video response instead of typing it out. Um, so I, I did that just the other day. So that, again, that's a, another way to kind of do a, a soft live, if you will, by answering a question via video. Um, Sometimes I may take a person's question and let that be motivation for a live that I do because yeah. it could be a very good question. I'm like, you know what? More people need to hear this answer, so I'll do a live. Um, and, and then, I, you know, I make posts. I share in there, and it's not always about – I mean, a lot of times it is about being mobile or something to help people. But sometimes it's just it's something outside that realm, just a, a question. Um, or just sharing something, sharing an experience, or again, sharing, Hey, look at, look at this, uh, office view that I have today, man. I love this, uh, in the group Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, uh, I post like Mondays. It's like motivational Monday. What do you want to achieve this week? What are your goals for this week? Wednesdays, it might be like, Hey, you know, how are you doing in things Friday? It's a post of, Hey, what, you know, what, what did you accomplish? Wednesday might be like, what are your struggles? Fridays is like, hey, how did the week go? And then, of course, uh, our podcast is released on Wednesdays, so that gets advertised. So I, I get a lot of posts that go into the group um, to, to stay present. Um, but, yeah, again, I, I, I try to answer 
I try to answer a lot of questions that are in there, at least, you know, comment on them. Uh, fortunately, the group has gotten to where uh, it, it's a very active group and it's a positive group and I want it to stay positive. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. I'm not going to lie. I'm very proud of the fact that it is a positive group. But, you know, it has, it has become to where because it is an active group and people are willing to share and are willing to help, I, I don't feel like that it's my responsibility to answer every single question. And some people might think that that's, I don't know, egotistical or, or bad or whatever, but it's, it's actually something to, to be proud of when, when, when something takes on itself and you don't feel like that you have to be the one always driving it. And that's ultimately your goal. That means, that means I've succeeded in creating a community for people. It doesn't, it's not about me. It's about the community. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. And, and then, you know, you've got other people asking questions, you've got other people answering questions, and you've got people mm-hmm. that are sharing their experiences as a whole so that it's not just coming from one person's experience, but multiple. Um, because everyone, even though they may be learning from you, they're going to have different experiences from their own business based on location, based on all yeah. kinds of things. Now, let me yeah, ask exactly. you one thing. This is something that um, – you know, I've been a PT now for many years, over 22 years. And, um, you know, we always think of home health. I always thought of home health. So what what's the difference between home health and mobile PT? Is there a difference? Is it just a phrase? Is, you know, what's, what's up with that? That's a, that's a question that I've, uh, I've, I'm curious to, to ask. And I'm, I think people in my audience would be interested to know that as well. Because, again, I'm pretty sure – Mobile PT might not be a, as common of a phrase as right. home health PT, right? Right, right. Yeah, no, I, that's a great question. I, I have been, I have, I have had a lot of people message me asking me what's the difference. I've even had uh, PT school professors ask me what's the difference. Yeah, and the you know the the, the main thing is this: is that home health. There are guidelines for someone to receive home health. Okay. For to receive home health, they have to fall into a certain uh, a certain situation, a certain category. They have to have just had surgery, just had a, a incident in the hospital, and for them to go out into the community, i.e., go to to a clinic, either they're in a situation where they really aren't mobile, um, or it's not easy for them at all to be mobile. Or the, the the new incident is so fresh that it's not easy for the family to get them there. Uh, but again, there are guidelines. So so if they can't safely, easily, without putting, being in, in pain, becoming way too fatigued following an incident, then they have to kind of meet those guidelines in order for home health to receive home health. And then once they receive home health, they're going to be able to receive home health typically only about two weeks, maybe four weeks. But it's a short period of time. And the purpose of home health is to get that person from from subacute uh, incident, if you will, to just good enough that now you can go somewhere to have this taken care of. And, and that that's home health. Mobile therapy is outpatient therapy. It is uh, mobile uh, wellness mobile personal training, mobile massage, you know, it's a variety of things, but you are taking, you're taking your service to the customer. Instead of the customer coming to you, you're going to the customer. Just like, you know, if you were to call like, I don't know, like Uber Eats. Okay. 
I want, I want food from, you know, my, my, one of my you know, favorite pizza place here in town, um, you know, federal pizza. Now I could go to federal pizza and, and eat there, or I could call like Uber Eats and say, Hey, we go pick it up for me and bring it to me. Cause I don't feel like leaving my house and I want to sit here and watch my own TV and have my own bathroom to go to. So Uber Eats brings federal pizza to me. Well, guess what? I'm still eating federal pizza, just enjoying it at my house. So that's the same way with mobile therapy is you're, you're getting the clinic, but you're getting it at your house. Now, obviously, in your car, you're not going to have uh, an e-stem machine, an ultrasound machine. You know, some, some people have those things, but maybe not necessarily. But you're not going to have all the equipment and all the machinery and everything. But you are going to have some, some TheraBands and maybe some medicine balls and whatnot, a, a portable uh, massage table that the person can get on. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, as far as therapy goes, I mean, you don't, you don't have to have all the fancy equipment. I mean, it, it's nice to have, but, but as long as you can get creative, you can you can make a difference for people sure. in their home. But it's just they're wanting service, so you're bringing the service to wherever is best for them. It might be in their home. It might be out on the golf course. I've treated people, worked with people at the tennis courts. I've met people at city parks, um, at their office. It's just taking service to them. And and would some of this service be uh, considered fitness, or is it all therapy, or is there a line or a, a boundary that when you get from one point to the you go from uh, all right, I'm done with PT, and now we're doing fitness, or or is that not something you 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 kind of delineate? Uh, there, there there is a delineation. Um, you know, a lot of people. I mean, a lot of ther- a lot of mobile therapists are getting post op patients who are injured and they're going to the homes and working with them. And again, it's not, it's not home health. Yep. Um, they're just, the person is just choosing to, to do it at home because yep. it's just easier. It's more convenient, especially in, to, in today's time right now with, with Corona, um, you know, it's just more comforting for them. And then it can, tra- it can transition into a more of a wellness situation where uh, the reason that the person is working with you does not meet uh, medical necessity guidelines as as determined by insurance companies. So uh, maybe you know maybe they're fully functioning, but they want to stay there and they want to continue to improve. And they're like, you know what? I'm a person who likes to invest in my health so that my health doesn't become an expense. I like the accountability. I like you. I want you to continue to keep me accountable for staying healthy. And and so now I continue to work with that person. Uh, to to stay where they are, like actually, when we finish this, I'm going to go see a client that I've been seeing for the last six years. She's 93 years old, and she started working with me because she didn't want to. She didn't want to end up not being able to go shopping with her daughters, and she didn't want to have to always rely on a walker. So I just started working with her for you know balance and ball prevention, you know, general strengthening, so that she can improve her walking. And I've been seeing her for six, twice a week for six years now just to keep her moving, keep yeah. her active so that she can go shopping, you know, with her daughters. And again, that's a situation where it's not even though she's 93, you know, to be able to do that, that's not covered by Medicare. Yeah. That's a wellness situation. So I think for, for therapists, yeah, therapist, back. got me again. Sorry, uh, that B that B wants to get you, man. A lot of you know, a lot of therapists see clients, and it's more of a wellness kind of situation, just because of the type of clients that they attract. Yep. And then I, I, I mean, I have friends that who are mobile therapists, and, and they attract a, a lot more 
like the the you know post you know post injury uh, post post surgery. So it's a, it's a you know it's across the board. Got it. Got it. I love it. I love it. And again, that's something that like through my last four years of being a uh, cash PT in an outpatient clinic, there's been at least four people that I can remember offhand that I've gone to their house. Um, one was a guy that when I first met him, he was in his nineties and he was just really deconditioned and they called me and they said, you know, we don't really, he doesn't really have the strength to get there and the effort that it'll take for us to get him in the car and then get him out of the car, he's going to be useless there. And I said, well, let me come take a look at him and I'll, I'll see what we can find. And, you know, and at this, this point I was building, it was in 2016. It was my first year of going to cash. So I figured out, well, I'll just mark myself off at three on a Friday afternoon and go to his house at three 30. It was right. It was only two miles from my house. It was right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And I'll just go to his house at three 30 instead of going home. And then I'll get home at four, four 45 instead of, instead of that time, you know, and I charged him the same as if he was coming to my, to my studio at that point. Um, but I also went and said, look, the goal is to get you to the studio. And so we did about, a, I think we did like 10 sessions at his house and then he came to the studio from there on. Um, another time it was recent. It was a woman who was uh, in her, she couldn't get out of bed and she was in such intense back pain. She couldn't get out of bed. Um, I said, Hey, you want to come in? She texted me. She was in all this pain. She was asking me some questions. Um, and again, that's with having relationships with patients where they have your cell phone and they, they'll text you in that, that time and need. And she just was joking, said, Hey, do you do house calls? And I said, you know, I don't normally, but today my, my schedule in the afternoon, I'm done at two. I could be there at two thirty. And it was just a typical, it was a day that normally, you know, on a normal pre COVID, no, I wouldn't have had that time to go do it. But, you know, I have some breaks in my schedule now that I haven't always had, uh, that I do now. And so I was like, sure, I'm, I'm happy to come to your house. Uh, I know her. I, I didn't know where she lived. It was about 15 minutes away. Um, brought my table, my extra table. And um, she was super grateful and thankful. And then I had a guy that was um, a little bit uh, demented. And uh, he, he sat down on the toilet. And it was his session was with me at this certain time. And he wouldn't get off the toilet. And he was really just trying to piss his wife off. And his wife called me and she's like, I'm paying you already. And I don't want to call the ER because they're going to charge me $600 to get the, you know, the not the ER, 911 to have someone, the ambulance come get him off the toilet. She's like, she goes, I said, where, do you, where are you at? I said, I, you're already paying for my hour. I'm going to charge you whether or not you show up or not, you know, because she was paying for packages and stuff. Um, and we figured out she lived about 12 minutes from the studio. And I said, well, I'm on my way. I'll be there in 12 minutes and I'll yank his ass off the toilet and we'll go from there. And I'll spend as much time as I have, but I got to be back at this next hour. So I won't have the whole hour there, but I'll have 40 minutes, probably uh, 35 minutes there. And I, I, and I did, I went over there and did that. And it was quite an interesting experience, you know, (laughs) I was just not getting up from his toilet. I just picked his butt up, made him get up. And she's like, thank you so much. You were, that was much cheaper than having the, uh, the ambulance come out here and then making me pay a bill for this. But anyway, so that was my experience of of recent, but I've done home health in LA way back in uh, 2001 when I first opened, was opening my contract business. I was doing outpatient, but I also needed to, you know, get some hours here and there with some home health. So 
that home health was very different. You know, people with their, their mask on, smoking cigarettes or oxygen mask. And uh, you're like, whoa, it was quite a, quite an interesting experience um, of what I saw at, at that point because I was always used to people coming to me and not being in their home. So that's kind of some, uh, it was interesting, interesting stuff. Now, I know uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here, Dave, but I got one more question for you, man. Um, I know you are the t-shirt guru. You always got a t-shirt on. You sent me some t-shirts. We got our 83333 t-shirts. Um, where do you get your t-shirts made? I, I've been highly disappointed with where we've been having our shirts set up on our website of late. So where do you get your uh, t-shirts? Do you, and do you do it like uh, uh, print on demand by someone else or and, and where they ship it and all that? Tell me just a little bit about your t-shirts. Yeah. No, you, you know what? I mean, hey, great question. And, and for, for those watching, I didn't know who's going to ask this question. But it's a great question. And I'll have to make sure that I tag the person who I get these from. Uh, but we use Black Mountain T-shirt. It's blackmtntshirt.com. Black Mountain T-shirt. Mountain is abbreviated to okay. uh, MTN. Blackmtntshirt.com. Uh, Lincoln Walters is his name. Um, great guy. Great guy. He's over there in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Um, he makes these shirts and he, and he uses high quality too. I mean, these are like, these are light, these are comfy, you know, not that, that heavy, heavy cotton t-shirt that I know there in Texas where it gets humid. You ain't going to be wanting to wear no heavy cotton t-shirt <laughs> you want light that can breathe. So, I mean, even out here in Arizona where it gets 115, you know, I can wear these things and oh, they're comfortable. So, and the nice thing about uh black mountain t-shirt is you can order, you know, a small batch. Then you're not, you're not, required to to you know buy 100 t-shirts you can get you can get a small batch and he can even create a store for you to where people can go on and order what they want and then he ships it out so it's almost almost like a print on demand if you will and that's what he does for us he created a store for you know uncaged clinician it's there people can go to the site and say hey i want to buy that t-shirt right there he prints it up mails it to him Got it. And we don't we don't have to touch a thing. Do you design the shirts yourself, or does he design them, or is that something? Uh, he he has limited design uh, capabilities. If you if you have a logo, vector file, whatnot, you know, send it to him. He can he can do that up for you. He he can he can do uh, minimal uh, designs for you if you want. But Got it. Not he's not a graphic designer. Got it. Got it. Got it. That's cool, man. Because I've uh again I've been using a um a company for my shirts that like shirt on demand, print on demand. And someone ordered one about six weeks ago and still haven't got it. And it's just a Royal pain in the butt. And Whoa. I've had some come that weren't, that they were like, they were just off. Things weren't right. So I was thinking it was time. I wanted to get a few t-shirts for, um, for a couple of our, you know, our, our clinic, but also our podcast and some of the other things that are going on. Uh, my wife yeah, page. I'll connect. I'll connect you to Lincoln, and uh, you guys can have a conversation. He does. He does great work, and and very very reasonably priced too. Awesome! I love it, man. Well, he may not want me to say that. Maybe he's giving us a deal. I don't know. But <laughs> reasonably priced. It's not. It's not crazy. So I know, like, I mean, on, on our website, if you go on and you wanted to buy this T-shirt right here, I mean, I think it's fifteen, seventeen dollars. You know, it's not. It's not twenty-five or thirty. You know, got it. Awesome. Um, so it. They're very, very, you know, if someone were to go onto the website and buy it, that's what it would cost them. So cool. Or cost them. Yeah. So, I, I, I just yeah, threw that one in on you at the last minute. Cause I knew you would, uh, you'd have something, some answers for me. Cause you got to keep <laughs> on all the time. 
for everything. I'm glad I had an answer. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I just want to give a shout out to Jeremy Sutton, who's hopped on, and uh, he might have. Oh yeah, on. Jeremy Sutton. Uh, Kevin was on earlier, and our buddy Ray Ray. Uh, I can never say Ray's last name, so Bernard Bernard Danelli or something like that, but. Bernardinelli. There we go. Like I knew you would say Bernardinelli. Yeah, yeah. No, Jeremy Sutton. Thanks for hopping on, guys. The guys that have uh, David, thank you for your time, man, and and for teaching us about uh, growing a, your Facebook group and how that turned into to some coaching. I I really appreciate the again the the knowledge you and I spend time on the phone cutting up and and BSing yep. a lot, and we don't talk a lot of business on the phone. So I decided instead of asking you these questions on the phone because these are questions I I wanted to know for myself, and I knew others would want to know as well. I was like, yeah, let's go ahead and have a, a little podcast and do it, do it that way. And yeah. and I knew we'd cut up and have some fun. And uh, I finally got that light ray out of my eye. It, it was driving me a little crazy. <laughs> but, I'm glad uh, that lizard didn't get you in the beat it and sting you. Yeah, that's right. And I'm just glad it wasn't a snake. You know, the lizard, the lizard came back a few times. He's fast. <laughs> but uh, he didn't. He didn't get me. And and it wasn't a snake. But I have. I have found snakes in this backyard before. So, uh, you know, it's, I live on a green belt. So like right there, like 20, 25, we'll say, uh, we'll say 20 yards away yeah. is the fence. And then another, um, I don't know, another 20 yards is a, is a dry Creek and that Creek's dry until it really, really, really rains. But because of that dry Creek, we get deer, Fox coyotes, um, squirrels out of the wazoo, um, hawks, they come pick off the squirrels and snakes, which is the one I, I dislike the most. But the rest of them, the deer, I really, really, really dig. But the rest of them, and the fox are cute, but yeah, I don't like the rest of them. But with that said, my friend, that's enough of that tangent. Thank you for your time, man. And uh, we'll talk soon and we'll be uh, cutting up on the phone anytime, man. And you have a fantastic you, day. Steve. I appreciate it. It's an honor. Yeah, always great to see you, my friend. I'll chat with you soon. All right, buddy. You stay out of trouble out there, my friend. I'll try. All right. Later. Ciao. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you did, could you do us a favor and leave some love and write us a review? My name is Stephen Dunn. I help physical therapists incorporate Pilates into their physical therapy practice. If you would like more information on how you can incorporate Pilates into your physical therapy practice, then like my Facebook page, Pilates for PTs.